The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we listened to the first half of a message about the Roman road to salvation. We've heard this term used in the religious world, but it's always referring to steps that men must take in order to get themselves saved for eternity. As we're seeing here in this message, though, the real Roman road to salvation is a road that only Christ himself could walk, and he did it on behalf of every single elect child of God, and he accomplished their salvation. Join us as we listen to the second half of this sermon entitled, The Roman Road to Salvation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Sweet to rejoice in my We are passing away. We are 
So what is this reference here? He says, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Over in John, the fifth chapter. We're going to jump in the middle here, but you read the context when you get a chance. Jesus makes a statement here that's very important for us to understand as to our experience with him in time here. See, think about this. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We're predestinated to be conformed to his image one day, but in the meantime, we're not conformed to his image. And when we're born in this world, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man, that is those who are only born in nature, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Those that would say you have to hear and accept the gospel message, you have to respond to the gospel message, you're going to respond to it in the flesh, but it's always going to be no, <laughs> I'm not interested. Because the man who's in the flesh only, the man who has only been born of nature, he will receive not the things of the Spirit of God. Is there anything more of the Spirit of God than the message of God? It's the Spirit of God that inspired men to speak the message of God. What did Jesus say? Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, he's, the gospel message is a, a message of good news. Yes, it's a message of good news to those who can receive it. But beloved, there are all kinds of radio waves and television waves and satellite waves passing through this building right now. And the reason you, you're not watching a TV show on my belly right now is because I don't have a receiver in there, okay? You, you don't have, I don't have a, 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 the right kind of receiver to receive these things. The reason I didn't open my mouth and Don Williams singing comes out is because I don't have a receiver in my mind and in my mouth. You see, I can't receive those things. They pass right through me. They're no good to me. But beloved, when I, if I had a receiver, you could do that. That's what you pay for. You pay for a satellite receiver or something of that nature. Beloved, in order for someone to even receive the message, he has to have been born of the Spirit. He has to have the right kind of receiver. The 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Is there anything greater of the thing, any greater thing of the Spirit of God than the message of the gospel that is from God? And he says, He receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You know, one of the reasons that uh, Jesus told those uh, Pharisees over there in John chapter 5, I believe here in verse 39 or, 30, or verse 40, he said, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. That's not an invitation, beloved. That's an indictment. That's, that's a statement of the condition that they were in. He didn't say, please, if you'll just come to me, you'll have life. He said, no, you won't come to me. You're in your flesh, you see. The natural man will not come to him. They are foolishness unto him, but it gets even deeper than that. Neither can he know them. And there's a big difference in willing not to know him and not being able to know him, you see. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So think about this. We've got election here, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We've got predestination, being predestinated to be conformed to his image one day. But what do we do in the meantime? 
I, I grant you God could have left us to wander here and never know anything, never have any kind of relationship with him. But you see, the problem with that is, is that the old natural man is not fit for heaven. The corruptible can't inherit incorruption. See, we're corruptible. We're, we're there, in the flesh, there is nothing within me. Uh, Paul makes that, that statement there in, in Romans chapter 7. He says, that is in my flesh, there is no good thing. In me, that is in my flesh, there is no good thing. See, something has to happen in order for us to have a relationship with God. Jesus calls it a new birth. Back over in John chapter 3, and I'm going to get back to John 5 in a minute. But Back over in John chapter 3, this man Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And he said, hey, man, we know you're a teacher and all this kind of thing. But Jesus made a bold statement to him. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus was preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's near. But you can't even see it if you're not born again. Many people say, well, come get born again. Once you see the kingdom of God, get born again. Once you see that you need Jesus, get born again. Do something to get born again. Beloved, the problem is they can't see they need Jesus until they are born again. The dead man is dead to the realm to which he's dead. Someone who's physically dead, we just had a, we just had a, a funeral here, and, and the problem with all the weeping and the mourning about that is that they can no longer uh, converse with that person. Well, Sister Ava's dead. She's not with us anymore, and it's the separation that burdens us. It's a separation when one dies because they're dead to this physical world. God told Adam, in the day you eat of the fruit thereof, you'll surely die. You know what happened? He didn't die physically, did he? But he died spiritually. He was separated from God. And the spiritually dead, I think the Lord uses these um, terms so that we can understand them. You know, he, he uses being born again and being dead in sins because we can get that. We get that dead means you don't have any life. Brother Neal is a wonderful physician, but he can't bring the dead to life. All he can do is pronounce them dead. He can't, he, can't, he can't bring them to life. The dead man can't function in the realm to which he's dead. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 is talking about. We're dead in trespasses and in sins, Ephesians tells us. Well, that means we can't function in the spiritual realm. We are spiritually dead. We can't function in the spiritual realm. That's why the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. But Jesus said there, here's a way. <laughs> here's the way. A man's got to be born again. Skipping on down, just, well, let's read. Nicodemus said he, like most of us, didn't get it right. How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I won't take the time to preach on this. I just encourage you to go back and look at, listen to Brother Buddy's message about what it means to be born of water and the Spirit. One of the best I ever heard explaining to us that those are one and the same thing. Now listen to this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But if he works hard enough and learns enough, he can become spirit. Oh, that's right. Amen, brother. <laughs> that's not what it says, is it? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
You know, there's a reason he calls it a birth. Because a baby doesn't do anything to bring about his own birth. A baby doesn't do anything to bring about his own existence. That's a new being. It's a new thing that's created, if you will. In the case of a baby, it's through a process God has established. But in the case of his children, it's also through a process God established. He said, you got to be born again. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's never going to be anything but flesh. There is no spiritual evolution. There is no changing. There is no morphing from flesh into spirit because you've got to be born of the spirit to be spirit. He said, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. This is how the new birth happens, beloved. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. If you find one person in the scripture born of the spirit apart from the preaching of the gospel, then you got to say everyone is born of the spirit apart from the preaching of the gospel. He speaks of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one. He said, before thou, uh, before, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Oh, that's the great precious t- teaching of the foreknowledge of God. He said, and before thou camest forth from the womb, I sanctified thee. I believe that's a reference to him being born again in the womb. But even if you don't accept that one, look at John the Baptist. <laughs> when, when, when Mary came and, and the, he, she was carrying the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, in her womb, and Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist in her womb, and, uh, and he leapt for joy. He leapt for joy in his mother's womb. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, beloved. He couldn't have preached a message about it right then, but oh, he knew something had happened, you see. If we were chosen in Christ and predestinated to be with him, something's got to happen in the meantime. And I believe that's the calling here that we're talking about. You remember I said we'd go to John chapter 5. I love the way the Lord makes it clear that the new birth doesn't come by the preaching of the gospel. It doesn't come by the voice of the preacher. In verse 25, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now he is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Isn't that glorious? Brother John Morgan mentioned the abortion, the abortioner's scalpel this morning. Those babes in the womb that are about to be aborted. You know, the world has to make an exception for them. The world has to make an exception for those who never hear the gospel, for those who never uh, who, who are not mentally capable of hearing the gospel. Beloved, the Bible doesn't make an exception for them. The Holy Spirit quickens them just like he quickens you, beloved. The Holy Spirit can reach into that mother's womb before the abortioner's scalpel takes that child apart and he can born that child again. And praise God, he's done it, I, I believe, millions of times throughout the world. And I believe he will continue to do it. And it's not making anything. We should never accept that abortion is, is okay. It is not. It is murder. But praise God, it doesn't take one out of the covenant of grace. The whom is still the whom, no matter what. You say, well, don't we have to come to him? John 6, 37 says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I believe that's coming to him in in the new birth. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So you mean I got to get up and I got to go to him? Well, look, verse 44 tells us something else important. No man can come to me 
except the Father which has sent me drawing. You see, there has to be a drawing of the Holy Spirit. But praise God, the whom will come in the new birth. Because all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That brings a whole new message to light here. I wish I had time to go back. How many times Jesus says, makes reference to all the Father giveth me, or all thou hast given me. It's always a reference to the Father having given him a people, beloved. That means that the Father had a people to give to him. He couldn't give him something he didn't already have. That's what he's talking about in Matthew 1.21 when he says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise the Lord. Those that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and predestinated to be conformed to his image, the whom of Romans 8 and 29 and 30 are those that, he's, that are under consideration here. As we move on, because our time's getting short here, in verse 30 again, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And some of the ones he called, he also justified. <laughs> no, I'm misquoting it again. Getting it mixed up once again because it doesn't say that. Whom he called. That means the very same number. You know that bucket I was talking to you about? Nothing spilled out of it yet. <laughs> it started out with foreknowledge and it was full there. And then it was still full when we got through with predestination. And it's still full now after we get through talking about the calling or the new birth. Them he also justified. What's he talking about there? To be justified means to be rendered righteous or such as you ought to be. And what he's referring to here is, beloved, is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because you see, there's a question asked by Job back over in the ninth chapter. He says, I know it is so of a truth. These, the, 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 the miserable comforters that were his friends, so-called friends, were telling him, Job, you better get right with God. You've got some unconfessed sin in your life. He said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? What a question to ask. And it's an important question to ask. How can a man who is full of sin, who is broken by the sin of Adam, who is cursed by the sin of Adam, how is is it that a man can be just with God over in uh, uh, Psalm chapter 143 but it says over there that in, in God's sight shall no flesh be justified there shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God beloved the psalmist is telling us the same thing that Paul is telling us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God they're foolishness unto him he's telling us that we are just like Paul said he said there's none righteous no not one there's no flesh going to be justified in the sight of God through their own efforts. Oh, but over in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, I would call this the gospel according to Isaiah. In verse 4, he says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We thought he, was, we thought he lost. We thought he was just a tragic figure of history. We thought there was nothing, just like those that passed by wagging their heads saying, oh, he said he could save others, but he can't save himself. That's what we thought about him, beloved. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I want to ask you something so far. Where is man in this? Where is man's efforts in this? 
What is it about the finished work of Christ that man needs to add to? It says, with his stripes, we are healed. Period. End of story. Now, here's our part. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. I'm good at that. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm an expert on that. I've been astray today. I've gone astray already. I've probably gone astray in this very meeting tonight. But beloved, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But praise God, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, sometimes we think about things and we don't think about things. I work in the legal field and there's a principle in our law called double jeopardy. And what double jeopardy says is you can't be punished twice for the same crime. So once payment has been made, you can't demand payment again. Beloved, we don't accept that a violation of double jeopardy is right. How in the world do we think that God would? If God laid on him the iniquity of us all and he paid for it all, how is it that he's going to demand a second payment from us? You see, that's double jeopardy. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in the laws of our land, and it does not work in the Bible. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that tells me he he knows whose iniquities were laid on him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And I'm going to skip on down just for the lack of time to verse 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I can't even... Imagine that. I can't imagine it pleasing me to bruise one of my children. But it pleased the Lord. It didn't please him in the sense of he took sadistic pleasure in the pain. It pleased him in the sense that he had chosen a people in Christ before the foundation of the world. He had predestinated them to be the conformed to the image of his son. He had, he had uh, purposed to quicken them in time. And in order for all that to happen, Jesus Christ had to die for them. And justify them. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. See right here, it tells us he knew who he was dying for. He saw his seed. He saw his progeny. He saw those that are, he told Abraham would be like the sands of the sea or the stars in the sky for multitude. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Now listen to this. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Praise God. He was satisfied with the travail of my Lord's soul. And he doesn't require that of me. Oh, I'm so thankful because I could only ever pay on it. I could never pay for my sin. I could only ever pay on it for eternity. But Jesus was able to satisfy it. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. See, there's that justification. There's that justification. It says, by his knowledge... (laughs) He will justify many. Over in the book of 2 Timothy, it tells us that the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Talk about foreknowledge. <laughs> he doesn't just know a mass of people uh, without uh, this amorphous and anonymous. He knows his people. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows it, beloved. And by the way, we preached recently about the omniscience of God. If he's ever known it, he's always known it. Praise God. 
we are justified. And here we go again. It's that same bucket of whom. <laughs> it's that same bunch of whom that he was talking about. And then he says, whom he justified, them he also glorified. You know, I, I find this the most amazing of all, I believe. You would think I was crazy if I was talking to you after church tonight and I said, well, you know, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I went to Montgomery. That's just foolish, isn't it? You mean last Tuesday, brother? No, this coming Tuesday, I went to Montgomery. And then next Thursday, I went to Gordo. That's crazy, isn't it? Now, I got, I got plans to do that. I've got a purpose in my mind that I'm going to be in Montgomery Tuesday because I've got a meeting down there. But I can't say I've done it because <laughs> it might not happen. I might have a blowout. I might get up and get sick. I might forget the age I'm at. <laughs> but see, God is able to say things like this because he is God. And beside him, there is none other. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So when he says we have been glorified, he means that because in his mind and in his purpose, it's as if it's already happened. And we hadn't been glorified. You can look at me and tell. <laughs> I can look at you and tell. <laughs> But I'll tell you, beloved, in God's mind, we have already been glorified. It's as certain as if it has already happened. This is a past tense referring to a future event, and it doesn't work for us. Oh, but it works for God. Oh, what a day is coming. I don't know all the details about that day, but, but I read something mighty sweet over in the book of 1 John. Because he's telling us about that day. This is what he says, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You know what he's doing there? He's, just, he's thinking about these things I've been preaching about. <laughs> he's just like Paul. You know, you know, Romans 8 and 28 and following is not some you know, exception that he's just some you know, didactic teaching there that's dry and, and, and he's not standing in the, at the podium in some seminary hall trying to, uh, uh, you know, set out these points. I believe this was the, the pinnacle. This was an exclamation. It was, the, it was the, the climax of these two chapters there in chapter 7 and 8. Chapter 7 where he's talking about all the sin within him that afflicts him. In chapter 8 where he's talking about all the sin that he sees around him that afflicts him. And he finally gets down there and he says, Praise God, all things work together for good. Not all these things that are happening out here without exception, but all the things I'm about to tell you about. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And praise God, whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's so certain as if it's already happened. I believe that's the same thing that John is talking about here. What? He said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. It's almost like he's in. Incredulous, because he knows himself. He knows what a sinner he is. 
He was one of the ones that forsook him and fled at the cross. He was not just, he wasn't one of these great super Christians. He, he forsook him, even though he was there at, at some point. He had all the disciples had forsaken him and fled. He says, what an amazing thing it is to know that he loved me so much that I can be called a son of God now. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And now listen to this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That's amazing, isn't it? I don't feel much like a son of God sometimes. I feel more like a son of the devil. I act and live in a way that I shouldn't. Oh, but praise God. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. He said, I don't really know for sure what's coming. I don't know all the details. He said, but... We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Oh, what a glorious thought that is. I don't know the details, beloved. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I've got the future mapped out and I can tell you all about eschatology and the end times. I don't care about all that. You know what I care about? The same thing John cared about. The same thing Paul and Peter cared about. That I have been glorified in the sight of God because I've been justified and called and chosen and predestinated along this Roman road of salvation. See, that's the true Roman road to salvation. That Roman road was a lonely road, beloved. It was a road that you and I couldn't walk. It was a road only the Savior himself could, could endure. It was a road that his first steps as a babe were leading him to. His first steps, every step he took in his life was a step toward Calvary where he finished the work, where he saved his people from their sins. And Paul ends this little portion here by asking the question, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I hope you don't go away from here saying, boy, that's, that upsets me. That makes me anxious. That, Ooh, I've never heard. Listen, maybe you never heard it before. Maybe you haven't, but praise God, it's there. You got to do something with it. And I'll tell you, beloved, it's the most sweetest teaching in the Word of God that when we find ourselves with a heart for Jesus, it's because He had a heart for us before the foundation of the world. Praise God for the Roman road to salvation that only Jesus could walk. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.